You know what time it is. The latest and greatest in the UFC. You're listening to Caged. I'm the Lieutenant. And I'm the House. And here we go. So the last time that we were talking to you guys, we gave you our predictions for some of the main card events at the UFC on ESPN 7. And uh, gave you our number 7 predictions. And we got a little bit more of that coming up. We're going to give you our number 6 favorite fighter. And we're going to continue on with our co-main and main events for the UFC on ESPN 7 coming up this Saturday. Uh, I'm excited for it, House. What about you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is a great card. Um, We're going to see some really intense fights here this weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, But before we get to that, we're going to be giving you the latest news and headlines going on around the UFC. So, uh, first up, uh, we've been talking about it here uh, on Caged recently, but it is officially official. No more talking. Contracts have been signed. It's yep. happening. Cowboy Cerrone versus Conor McGregor. My man, Cowboy. He finally is getting his opportunity at McGregor. I'm extremely happy to see this. Uh, you kind of knew. Obviously, we knew. We talked about how we knew it was going to be the Cerrone fight is what McGregor was going to sign. Uh, it happened. They publicly have said it. Now, I I love the, the whole... Um, Social media thing, the uh, proper 12 against the Budweiser <laughs> on social media and see it on Cowboys Instagram and all that. It's uh, it's just a great fight all around for the people. It's a people's fight. Um, I, I'm happy for Cerrone. I really am. Uh, I want to congratulate him on getting this fight. Uh, he won his way to it, realistically. Um Working his way through the lightweight division. Uh, he's obviously a kickboxer, stand-up, fighting kind of guy, striker. Uh, but against the likes of a Conor McGregor, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, this should be one uh, for the history books, really. Uh, this is a this is an all-time matchup that people have wanted to see for a long time. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, you said uh, it's the people's matchup. And, uh, like, the marketing side of, like, my, like, thinking is just, like, tingling thinking about this. Like, it's the first pay-per-view event uh, for the UFC happening in 2020 uh, at the tail end of January. UFC 246, I believe it is. Yep. Uh, it's the main event. Conor McGregor's return. Uh, Cerrone uh, <clears throat> continuing to, to outlast Father Time and uh, perform and... Uh, continue to add on to his already uh, record. Yeah, I mean he's probably fights. He, he's probably fighting the best he's ever fought right now at this moment. I mean, before the Ferguson loss, he was probably at the peak of his career, uh, performance wise. Really, I mean. Yeah, I mean, like I agree. Uh, there's like so many storylines and like aspects, to, like ways they can sell this fight. Uh, it's gonna be hyped up already just because of the two fan bases uh, that mm-hmm. that both of these fighters have. And the the cult following that they uh, that they possess, um, it's already going to be hyped and amplified that much more with uh, social media and their their personalities. Uh, they're going to be clashing. They're going to be drawn back and forth. You already know it. Oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> there's there's just so much that's going to go into this fight. There's so much that's going to happen between now and then, and I'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to be talking. About this. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, this is going to be a <clears throat> this is going to be a big headline for us for a while. Um, I'm really interested to see the the pre-fight interviews when the fighters sit on the other side of the table and uh, start talking to each other because I just I I know Cowboy he's a really humble guy but he's witty and he's funny and he he really relates to the public extremely well that's why he's such a that's why he has such a great fan base um, so I think the jawing is going to be hilarious uh, obviously you know how McGregor's going to come in I'm going to beat your fucking ass yada 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 mm-hmm. like. Coming in hot boy, and then I'm sure Cerrone's gonna sit there and just say some, you know, little fried country boy shit. Yeah, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> you, you remember we were watching uh, Rocky Four the other day, and like they were uh, having the the press conference, like at the beginning, <laughs> like with uh, Creed and Drago, and like Drago was uh, just like sitting there all stone faced, <laughs> and Apollo was just talking yeah, shit. That's that's cowboy, Apollo, right. Apollo would be uh, <laughs> uh, Creed. Yeah, uh, like that's just like how I envision that being. Uh, it's just gonna be loud mouth talking, uh, back and forth. Yeah, this is gonna be a fun topic 
that I'm sure we're going to revisit. Uh, <clears throat> really? They, they haven't really bashed each other yet on social media and such. Um, I mean, they've talked about how... I, I know Cerrone tweeted or something about, I finally get my hands on him. Uh, something like that. But there, there really haven't been any... Extreme, yeah, I mean, that's, not yeah, yeah. that's not excessive at all for what he's we've been seen. Waiting, yeah, no, he's, he's been waiting for this fight for a long time, so yeah, um, yeah, it's it is what it is. <coughs> uh, we'll get back to that, but uh, speaking of returns, um, five years later, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Diaz is, is going to return to the UFC, uh, and he already has his sights set on somebody, uh. Big Brother's stepping in uh, where Little Brother uh, left off. He wants to ch- challenge the current BMF title holder, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, to which Masvidal has already responded saying that he would uh, he would grant him the fight. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I'm excited about this because I love both of the Diaz brothers. Uh, yeah, I'm not... I mean, I, I like Nate a lot. Uh, Nick... I I just I don't know I don't like him as much. It's just he's just not as entertaining to me as natives, obviously. Um, I think Masvidal really has got a special uh, place in his heart for wanting uh, to be a opponent with the last name of Diaz. Uh, so I don't necessarily think this is the best fight for Masvidal whatsoever. He can get him he can work himself up to a title contending shot and I don't think this does it fighting a fighter coming off of a 5 year break. You don't know how good he's really going to be, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just I don't think it's good for him. It'll be good for publicity and he'll probably get a nice fat check out of it, but I don't think this is the optimal fight for Masvidal uh, as of right now. It, it'll be an interesting fight, and it'll be a good fight, but I don't think that... I don't. I, I just... I, I would like to see Masvidal fight higher competition. People that, you know what I mean, are established in the UFC, not on a comeback uh, like that yeah. are elite at this moment right now. Okay, I, I, I see where you're coming from. I'm going to have a lot of pushback here. Uh, one, the uh, entire like thing that the the whole respect aspect that come that came between Masvidal and and Diaz and uh, Nate uh, that is is that they both like grinded to get to where they are like they both have like twelve like ten twelve years in. To like fighting and like they respect the grit, the hustle, and the grind. Uh, Diaz Nick hasn't been fighting in the UFC because of a suspension, not necessarily because he hasn't been training and he's he isn't of the fighting caliber. I am of the belief, just knowing the Diaz brothers and how they roll, that Nick is ready and rocking to go, uh, and will be, uh, ready to go. Uh, I think that is a great thing as far as publicity goes because publicity brings in viewers, brings in money, brings in money for the fighters. And that's something that I think uh, both of them value as well as fighting good competition is something that they value. Uh, so for that reason, I, and, I mean, that's why I think it's a good fight. It makes sense for narrative purposes that he fight both Diaz brothers to say he's the baddest motherfucker. Mm-hmm. He beat a family, not just a, a single fighter. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just, I just don't think that Nick Diaz has earned the opportunity to compete for the BMF belt at this point. I feel like... Maybe if once he comes back and if he gets a win or two and he shows that he's still impressive and he's still a gritty, hard-nosed fighter, I think you should get all the opportunities in the world because I do think that they're good fighters. But I, I just don't see how... I mean, other than the family aspect of it and publicity and the ratings and stuff, logically, 
I don't like this matchup because it's just too long of a layoff to allow Nick Diaz to come back in at and I mean fight a high caliber fighter like that. I mean that you can think of it in a lot of different ways. Like there's a lot of fighters out there that um, get suspended or have an injury for whatever reason and drop tremendously and have to work extremely hard. You know what I mean to but get fight after injury. fight. I understand injury, suspension, either or, any kind of layoff is what I'm saying. Like, there's plenty of examples of fighters where they have to really prove themselves, you know what I mean, in a drastic way after a layoff uh, because of the doubt, you know what I'm saying? And it's I, I just feel like Nick Diaz is kind of getting a free pass into an extremely big event uh, that he hasn't really earned. That's my perspective on it. When, when I think there there's other fighters out there that give Masvidal, I mean, maybe not the same high-level publicity, but still a lot of publicity. I mean, Masvidal is making a name for himself. He's the one that's starting to make, make the fights um, more public, more entertaining, more well-known, because Masvidal is fighting. He's the guy that knocked out Askren. You know what I mean? He's the mm-hmm. guy that, who did he beat? What was his last fight? Uh... Diaz. Yeah, Diaz. Uh, Fuck, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Nate Diaz. <laughs> he fought Nate Diaz. I mean, he's out here working, performing at an extremely high level that we haven't seen out of him yet. And I, I just, I mean, and for title implications too, like if he really wants, he could have the BMF title and the belt. That yeah. That is the feat he should be striving for right now, in my opinion. I don't think that this fight this fight earns him a check. Well, he has to fight one more before he can get the uh, shot because right. uh, the title belt is this, like, month. Yeah, I understand that. But, I mean, what I'm saying is I, I think that he should be a more... He's already next in line to fight him. Right. Why not make this a filler fight, a publicity fight? Because he PR stunt going into your title fight? I mean, tune-up fight? Well, the thing is, like, if the the, um, title holder gets beat, then more than likely he'll get an opportunity, depending on how the fight goes, to get a rematch, because that's typically how it goes. If you beat the champ, the champ typically gets a rematch against um, the the incumbent um but just if he fights a good well-known elite fighter at this point i think he earns him that shot regardless just because of the sheer superstarness i guess that we're seeing out of him if you follow me like yeah i mean again i thought i follow your logic i just uh I still think that this is a matchup that is necessarily not necessarily a people's matchup, but a a narrative <coughs> standpoint for the matchmakers of the UFC and like promotional <coughs> like everything that they can do with with that. I and the fact that the two fighters want to do it. I think makes it a good idea. If they both didn't want to do it, and like there was like it was just a rumor that was like just floating out there, like I probably wouldn't like put so much stock into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like the fact that they both want to do it, like why not right. want to see it? I guess that's where I, where I'm at on that. Yeah, I mean, I I really think that this um, matchup is gonna be like a good fight I do I just I just realistically I'm not a big fan of the Diaz brothers and I just don't feel like he should have the opportunity to fight some someone like Jorge Masvidal right now that's probably where it is I like the Diaz brothers that's <laughs> probably yeah I'd say that's probably our disagreements I mean Nate's alright Nick I don't like so much you haven't seen him in five years I know maybe he's a changed man I don't give a fuck Most about likely him. not. <laughs> <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a fighter, bro. He's not changing. He's the same as when he left, guaranteed. Every fighter always is. No matter what. Hey, man, you gotta do what you gotta do. 
Rocky, you can't win up on Mars. There's no air up there. <laughs> I'm a yeah, well, you know what that means? There's no air up there for that guy neither. All right, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, so, uh, so the next possible matchup that we have coming up is uh, <laughs> Francis Ngannou uh, calling out Alexander Volkov. Uh, <clears throat> calling him out, saying that he wants to fight in uh, Las Vegas at UFC 246. So probably trying to get the co-main event for the McGregor Cerrone uh, fight. Uh, so that's a possible shaping up of of that um, <coughs> that main card that that we can predict. Yeah, I um I really I really like this co-main event. Uh, this is a obviously an extremely exciting matchup. Nagano, uh, if there's one person I don't want to be in the octagon with in the UFC, my fat ass sitting here right now. It's Francis Nagano. That dude can throw punches like no other. He has got heavy hands. He is a scary motherfucker. I would not want to even no. It'd be slow. I'd I'd retire anything before <laughs> I fought Francis Nagano. It I I like him in this fight. I think he's a newer upcomer. I think he's gonna be able to take down Volkov. Um he just I mean, he just punches so fucking hard. I can't, re- like, I really can't believe it. Like, it's unbelievable. He's probably got the heaviest hands in the UFC right now. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I've seen Volkov fight, a, like, a few times this year um, against Derek Lewis and against Greg Hardy. And mm-hmm. he was able to take a few shots from Derek Lewis until he ultimately knocked him out. But, uh,. Hardy was throwing shit at yeah. him, and really, he didn't look all too phased to me. He looked calm, poised, composed, and really showed the experience difference in that fight. Yeah, that may be a possibility in this fight also. Uh, but Nganu, I think, is a whole different beast than Greg Hardy, to be completely honest. Yeah. Uh, He's Har- just huge. I, he is. He's huge. He's thick. And like solid, like he's not. There's not a lot of movement on that guy's body. You know yeah, I mean? no, he's like, he's a brick shit house for real. Like he's just massive. He's he's almost like Yoel Romero at like a heavyweight. You know, yeah, build, exactly. Yeah, kind of just like thick and like huge and like can move, but like isn't anything special. But will just knock you out so quick. It's just, I I mean. I mean, like Cormier and uh, uh, John Blank on his name, uh, Derek Lewis. Damn, I just <laughs> said it. Uh, but Cormier, Derek Lewis, like they like have like those big core frames. You know what I mean? Like he. Yeah, like a Cain Velasquez. Yeah, and <clears throat> he like he doesn't have that. Like he has like he's just powerful. Yeah, it's. it's like he's a specimen, and he, he's a freak of nature. Um, Almost like Deontay Wilder. But yeah. Like, he's He does have that build. Yeah. And he's kind of got the same hands. Not as quick at all, but... Not as quick, but that power. That power is definitely there. <laughs> this, I mean, this is going to be a really exciting fight, though. If, if they can get the co-main event uh, for this, it'll be... Um, very, it, this is going to be a big time card. McGregor's on it. I see them going after this fight because I think it fits perfect in the eyes of the public. I think there's going to be a lot of hype around this fight also. Um, seeing Naganu fight again. Uh, just because he puts on a show every time he's out there. He's always knocking people out. Uh, fans love it. He's grown publicity. Uh, his publicity, excuse me, has grown through the, through the roof. And... It would just. I I just think that this is the perfect co-main for McGregor Cerrone, um, at this point thus far. I don't really see another, another fight being. More yeah. fitting. Yeah. 
the only way that this fight doesn't happen, because uh, they've both wanted to do this for a while, um, Nganu was offered the fight on short notice that Hardy ultimately took against Volkov uh, a while back, but declined it because, like, it was 18 days short note, like, 18 days notice, and uh, he felt like that wasn't enough time to fight Volkov. So they uh, have a history of, like, wanting to have fought. They are going to fight. The only thing holding it back is Volkov responded, saying that he wanted to fight him later in March in Paris uh, in front of uh, where Nganu fights out of. Uh, so in front right. of his home crowd, quote unquote. Yeah, I think um, I think I think that makes, I I really like him on the McGregor card just because I feel like it's what the people would want to see. I would rather them be there, it's right? Sooner. I'm hearing about it now. I want to. I like. I want to. Yeah, know. that too. Obviously, <laughs> we're anxious to see these guys in the octagon. Um, but. I think that Nagano is going to has the respect for the veteran um to where he'll play it fair, he'll play it in whatever kind of manner he wants to and I think that he will possibly take this fight to uh Paris later on um down the road this year or this upcoming year. Uh I think it's a high possibility that they do push you back and not get on the McGregor card. Uh, but as much as I want to see it happen, I, I, this fight's inevitable. It's another one of those, uh, just a matter of when and where, um, yeah, not if, when, yeah, just, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to tell when they're going to do it because obviously like during these camps and shit, these fighters get banged up, they get hurt. It's hard to tell what, um, Naganu was. It's hard to tell if he was really just out of shape as fuck, you know what I mean? It was yeah, just like, so, oh shit. Like 18 days, like, I can't get back into shape yeah, and fight yeah. a top five contender. Exactly. I mean, it's hard to tell. Like, you see it all the time with people like Derek Lewis, just out of shape as fuck. Although, he did look good in his last fight. He did. But, I mean, previously, these fighters yeah. can get out of shape extremely quick. You have to stay on top of it. And, um, and it's, it's a brutal game. Yeah, it's... It's hard to tell, but in either either or, if they fight on the McGregor or if they go back and fight in Paris in front of Nagano's hometown, um, it's going to be a great matchup. Really, uh, it'll we'll have to see what the veteran can do against uh, those fast, uh, heavy hands that Nagano's got. Um, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. So uh, I love when uh, celebrities in general. But I love when fighters engage in social media and, like, kind of, like, talk to their fans and engage in their right. fans. You know what I mean? Uh, so, um, was it? Dustin Poirier was asked um, who he thinks could beat Khabib in, in the lightweight division. And he responded with uh, former adversary Justin Gaethje. Uh, he thinks that he's the only one in in the division, and he wasn't even that confident about that. Yeah. But um, I was wondering if you were, if you could think of anybody who could be could be right now. Um. You know what? I actually think I can think of one person. I don't necessarily think he beats Khabib, but I think he could make a lot of problems for Khabib. Um, and I think he's the only one in the division that really stands a shot at all. And this is after the um, Donald Cerrone fight when I saw Tony Ferguson just dismantle that man. Tony is such a versatile fighter. Um, he's elite grappling uh, he I mean all around he's long linky he's awkward I just I just think Khabib might have trouble like controlling him if you know what I mean like even even if he I, I think Ferguson can outstrike Khabib standing up 
potentially. Um, obviously, it depends how these matchups work. Mental, I mean, there's a big mental game and all that that comes into it. But if they both come out with a good mindset, um, thinking they're going to win the fight, I think that Ferguson has the ability to beat Khabib standing up. And I think Ferguson's long and really experienced. Uh, he may be able to cause trouble for Khabib on the ground just from a control factor. I think, obviously, if Khabib gets position, um, it's scary for anyone because it's hard to get out. But with with Tony Ferguson being so long and lanky and that Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, um, it, could, it could just be something a lot different than Khabib has really seen thus far at that elite of a level of fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just it, it just really switches up because could be in the lightweight it, there's so many just strikers knock you out kickboxing style and you don't have that many grapplers because I don't know for whatever reason. But I mean, I just think Ferguson is a very versatile fighter and could possibly you know dethrone the champ. Uh yeah, so Ferguson is his next fight. So that would completely eliminate pretty much my uh my guess. Yeah. Because I'm going long game here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think anybody right now other than uh Ferguson uh could can contend with him. Yeah, I don't either. Uh but I want to put an earmark on a young guy who maybe by the end of next year can contend with Khabib. Uh, and that's uh, Gregor Gillespie. Uh, he's a young guy um, who is uh, pretty impressive to me because of his stat line. He's 13-0 and in, uh, I believe, 6-0 and in the UFC. Uh, six of his wins are by knockout and five of his wins are by submission. So only one uh, or two fights going to decision uh, there. And he's finishing fights in a number of ways. And uh, I forget who his last fight uh, was against, but he uh, he fought so balanced against the uh, a guy who I thought was was going to win the fight and and knocked him out like cold uh his, his boxing was so clean so I went back and like uh like looked this guy up um his wrestling is uh like pure like submission uh, like Greco-Roman style, like wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he possesses like jujitsu as well, so like he has a versatile like ground game, and uh, he's a boxer and taekwondo specialist, like which you don't see often. Yeah, that's a that's an extremely rare combination of um aspects of fighting in that fighter. Yeah, so like he's just like so broad and like so like. He's, I'm not gonna compare him to Stylebender and like crown like crown him that way, but like he kind of is, doing like different like martial a, art like mixing martial right. arts, uh. So like I want to keep an eye on this guy, uh. But I don't see him contending with Khabib right now, uh. But yeah, Ferguson, I I do agree with you, uh. I think he. He has a he has a legitimate shot. Um, everybody knows you, you don't want to be on your back against Khabib. You, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, if you're on your back, you're in a bad, bad situation, a fucking bad situation. If you're up against the cage, you're not in a good situation. No. You want to bring pressure to him, make him shoot wild shots. Right. And I, I think that's how you, I mean, when you look at Khabib, like, you watched him go up against Conor McGregor, possibly the best striker in the lightweight division ever. And he made Conor look fucking silly standing up. He beat him standing up, and he dominated him on the ground. I mean, he won both aspects of the fight. I don't... 
It may have just been the pressure that Khabib was able to apply, but he completely dominated possibly the best striker ever to be in the light in the lightweight, standing up, striking with him. Uh, and everyone knows Khabib is a strictly wrestler, uh, you know, Russian, stick on you like glue and won't let go, ground a pound, just beat you down and wear you the fuck out. I mean, that's what he does. Submission, um, he does. I th- The way you beat him, though, I think is you have to be able to compete with him on the ground. I, I think he's too he's too controlling standing up, and he has good enough hands where he can punch his way into his takedowns and punch his way for you to back up into the cage yeah. and just put you in bad situations. So you have to have a unique style of uh, counters and transitions when you're fighting Khabib on the ground, and I think that's really, at this point, the only way that you... Um, that you take the belt from him. And that's why I think Ferguson has the best opportunity. And that's why I think that this upcoming guy also could possibly have an opportunity if he keeps developing on the pace he is now. Uh, yeah, so those are two fighters to keep an eye on for two different reasons. Uh, Ferguson, because he is uh, fighting Khabib next I believe at UFC 247 in February. If I am mistaken, I'll let you guys know. Uh, And uh, hopefully, you know, a fight that I want to see later on uh, in 2020, maybe early 2021. I know that's a ways out, but uh, Gregor Gillespie, keep an eye on that guy. Uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye on him and keeping you guys updated on him, actually. Uh, So... Without further ado, that's uh, pretty much all the fight news that we have going on around the UFC right now. Uh, so, how about we get into our number six favorite fighter? Do you want to go ahead and do that? Yeah, for sure. You want me to start it off? Uh, yeah, if you're ready. <clears throat> Alright. Um, this might throw uh, the viewers in for a loop here, uh, but my number six favorite fighter... I'm going to have to go with Ronda Rousey. Mm. Um, female fighter, obviously. Uh, she was the first real, I mean, ignorantly dominant fighter that we've seen <laughs> in, in the female uh, weight divisions. Um, I love her style of, well, her past style of fighting. Let's be realistic. She is in the fucking WWE right now doing some stupid shit. Is she making that money? Yeah, she is getting that check. But, I mean, I feel her. But still, that's some gay shit. She's not getting hurt as much. Uh, We support the LGBTQ community. I apologize. Um, But as we continue, uh, Ronda Rousey has a background in judo. And judo is fucking fun to watch. I love it. She'll get you in the clinch. She'll knee you. She got that dirty boxing with her elbows, knocking people out left and fucking right. She'll grab you in the clinch with double underhooks, which means both of her arms are underneath your arms. So she has you in a controlled position. Um, Tripping one leg and then throwing you to the ground. Just typical, simple judo throws. uh, Just basically overpowering her opponents. And then getting them on the ground and just beating their face into the floor of the octagon. Um, It was pure dominance for so long. The way she went out even was... I mean, her whole career was iconic. Um, I loved it. I I liked to, I liked it when she lost, but I love her as a fighter. She, I mean, she was extremely fun to watch. The hype around her fights were fucking nuts. Um, she went up against Holly Holmes and got knocked out, and it was the biggest thing ever. And then even the storyline after that, she... She goes off into a cabin in California or Nevada or, I don't know, somewhere out west, but in in the middle of fucking nowhere. And is just depressed, like, freaking out, like, training hard, like, just off the face of the earth. And then she comes back and fights, um, who was it? Uh, Amanda, no. Uh, not Nunez, not Cyborg. Um, who was it? Not Holly, Misha Tate, maybe? Um, no, not Misha. 
We're about to find this out for you guys. Hold on. Uh, yeah, no, I... How, how do we not... Remember... What are you talking about? I'm, uh, Misha Tate, uh, Holly Holm... Amanda Nunez, Who was her last Chris fight? Cyborg. It was Amanda Nunez. You're confusing me here, man. No, after after the Ronda Rousey Holly Holm fight, who did uh, Rousey come back and fight again? Remember, she lost twice. I think it was Nunez. Yeah, it was. Ronda Rousey came back after the Holly Holmes fight after a loss, and then lost to Nunez, and that put Nunez on the face of the map. And then obviously now she's got two belts, but I mean she Ronda Rousey went off into the wilderness, trained, 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 came back. Fought the best upcomer she possibly could have picked. A girl that knocked out Cyborg. A girl that is just completely dominating two female weight divisions right now. And she got knocked out in a title fight um, after after the rematch. Uh, because Nunez had taken down Holly Holm while Ronda was gone on her break after the, after the loss. And then her career just dissipated. And that was it. It was... It was just really an iconic career. Um, it was extremely fun to watch. That period of time right there with the UFC is really intriguing. And, I mean, we're we're seeing the female division to continue to do this now. Um, obviously, with Amanda Nunez now being... Well, Chris Cyborg there for a while was, like, considered one of the most dominant. And then you had Nunez come, come along and then dethrone her as well. And it's just... On the, I mean, on the same level or even on a higher level than Ronda Rousey was. So, Ronda Rousey, um, the, her style of fighting's great. Her career was amazing, and um, she's a good person too. I, li- I I like Ronda Rousey all the, all across the board. So that's why she's my number six fighter. I I I I liked her in the Fast and Furious. <laughs> I hate the fucking Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean. If they don't make Fast 10 your seatbelts, I give up on that entire franchise. And I mean it. I will boycott it because I have I think I've watched every single one. Except for Hobbs and Shaw. I haven't seen the, the, the latest one. Yeah, I don't, I don't be watching them. They just... It's like the same thing every time I watch them. It is. It sucks. And they be getting me every trip. You can't give in like because that. Because I go to the movie theater... Every time Damn. that I that I watch a movie, you go to the movie theater to watch fucking Fast and Furious. Yes, I go to the movie theater to watch every single movie that comes out in theaters because I'm a responsible citizen. I watch The Lion King. Uh, who's, I, your, who's your number six favorite fighter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number fa- uh, my number six favorite fighter is Yair Rodriguez. And my reasoning for that is because I didn't realize how long I liked him. Uh, he's been in the UFC since yeah, since 2014. And since then, he's fought some pretty like big names, at least in my book. Uh, with wins over BJ Penn, Frankie Edgar, uh, and just recently Jeremy Stevens. Uh, pretty, pretty uh, solid uh, resume. Uh, also, being eight and one in the UFC and thirteen and two overall. Uh, and then this guy again, uh, much like Gillespie, is uh, Taekwondo and boxing uh, striker. So, like with that, <clears throat> you like understand. Like, the head movements of, like, boxing and, like, feigning and the importance of, like, the angles and steps that you take. So, like, you have much more advantageous positions to throw power punches, even on your jabs. Like, you can step in on that and, like, you're used to the bob and weave, so your your head movement is better. You're more elusive. Uh, and then the Taekwondo is... Uh, like I like researched a little bit. It's basically all kicks, so you it kind of works in 
with boxing, and but it's different from kickboxing. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's uh, yeah. you're seeing a little bit different kicks. You're seeing more uh, like side kicks and like head uh, high head kicks, front kicks, uh, question mark kicks. Um, like the you know what a question mark kick is? Yeah. Like our viewers might not. Uh, it's a high head kick with a like drop down, uh, like almost like a sledgehammer like kick to the head it's kind of vicious but um like it's more those style kicks uh so it's yeah you got you also got the i don't know what it's called the front it's like a front kick and then uh they go to the side and it's like a just oh yeah yeah yeah, that that's the question mark yeah uh it's the like fake front and then it like uh, loops over and like they like mm-hmm. smash it down. So. Yeah, that's what they do. They fake a front kick, and then just kind of it looks like, like it fuck up their knee. Yeah, kind of lift their leg around as if they were just taking a typical uh, kick to the head from the side. It's a it's an interesting strike. It's very it's very fucking vicious. Yeah. It's a highly advanced. Yeah. Uh, kicks being thrown when you see a question mark kick. But, uh, yeah, just that. And then uh, he's a submission wrestler. So, like, uh, what that is is, like, a lot of, like, body locks and, like, uh, uh, Kimuras and Mm -hmm. uh, guillotines sometimes. It's like the old style. Yeah. Fighters in the UFC, they always used to. Yeah, he's kind of an old school uh, fighter in in the modern age. And he's uh, moving up. I believe he's ranked. Uh, in his uh weight class, uh, he's a four-time fighter, uh, performance of the night winner. Uh, Ultimate Fighter winner. He's just an all-around like great guy. Uh, does a lot of uh Olympic training. Uh, with his uh boxing coach. And uncle. Uh, and yeah, just a all-around great guy, great fighter. Uh. I really enjoy watching him perform, and I can't wait to see who he fights next. Uh, hopefully he gets a shot at the featherweight champ. Uh, who's sitting up there? Do you know? Featherweight champ? Yeah. Is it Henry Cejudo? Cejudo, yeah, he might, uh, he might be the dual champ. No, he has to No, he's a Bantam. Feather, Max Holloway. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is Holloway. We haven't seen him fight in a while. No, we have not. We need to get some... I don't even know what's going on there. We need to start talking about the featherweight more. Yeah, they need to start making power moves. <laughs> Max Holloway, fight my dude Yair. What's good? Calling Big trust. The, calling out the fucking featherweight. We're here. Outside the garden. You got a problem with that? Come see me. About that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> that's my uh, number six favorite fighter. Uh, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to be giving you our fight predictions on the main card events, the final main card events of the UFC on ESPN 7. Don't go anywhere. It wasn't engaged. I'm the lieutenant. I'm the house. Alright, so we're back, and uh, we are finally going to be giving you our final uh, three main card events for the UFC on ESPN 7, and that is airing on December 7th, this Saturday, December 7th, at 9pm. That's taking place at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. So, without further ado, we're going to get into our final main card events. Uh, First up, we have uh, Stefan Struve versus Ben Rothwell in the heavyweight division. Yeah, um, Struve is a really interesting fighter when it comes to the UFC. You don't see a lot of guys like him. He's a heavyweight, obviously, uh, but he's—I th- I think he's seven foot tall—is what it, what he stands at. It's something extremely close to that. Yeah, seven foot. He is a massive 
human being. I mean, massive human being. And really where he, he likes to work, he likes to work in the clinch a lot. He, he obviously has that reach advantage, so he can throw strikes. There's just not a lot of power under his strikes because he's so lanky and kind of long. Uh, so he, he'll, he'll want to grapple, and he likes to throw those knees. He likes to control um, the grappling, regardless of it being on the bot or up top in the clinch or down like in his ground and pound. But um, he, he'd be... Uh, the oh, I'm drawing a blank here. The heavyweight champ, uh, uh Stipe. Stipe yeah, Miocic. He, he uh he beat Miocic back in 2012. That was his big signature win of his career. Um, he's kind of fell off. He's really not that great of a fighter. The body's just kind of awkward. But he's a submission specialist, really. Yeah, and that's odd. Um, that's odd to see in the in the heavyweight. Yeah, it is odd. Um, but when you're seven foot tall, um. I mean, he he has the opportunity to put himself in a lot of submission uh, opportunities just because of his length. Yeah, so he's got like, the length to actually wrap yeah, around those big bodies. He loves ribs. he loves the top uh, arm triangle from the top in the ground and pound. Ooh, that's nasty. Yeah, from the, <laughs> from the, the shoulder pushing down on the chest, uh, or pushing down on the neck. I'm sorry. Yeah, my uh, my brother made me pass out one time. We were uh, practicing UFC <laughs> shit. Uh, he made me pass out one time because like he was like he like got me in the top triangle. Uh-huh. Like he was like stuck on his own leg. It's like he like couldn't get up. So like, I was just <gasps> tapped out, <laughs> passed out. <laughs> yeah, like but, that's a nasty submission. I like that. Yes, yeah, I mean Strickland. He's he's good. I and mean, this is gonna be an interesting matchup because obviously he's not. I mean neither fighter or. In their primes or yeah, so as as elite is what they have been in the past. Two real veterans getting after it. So yeah, say for uh, Struve, this will be his forty fifth fight, yeah. and quick math, this will be uh, Rothwell's forty eighth. <laughs> so a lot of uh, mixed martial arts experience mm-hmm. coming into this for sure. Uh, bout. Definitely uh, different the, styles too. Uh, yeah, most definitely. That's what uh, I was about to say. Ben Rothwell, on the other hand, is a striker. He's a power guy. He's a traditional heavyweight yep. that you expect to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coming from a kickboxing background, he likes to mix it up uh, with the striking between uh, punches and kicks. Uh, he'll get into a little bit of clinch work, some dirty boxing, some elbows. Uh, he does not like to take it to the ground uh, too much. It's not really where he's comfortable at. So Struve will definitely have the uh, advantage there. But, uh, I mean, Rothwell he has a fucking chin on him uh, as well mm-hmm. as uh, arms behind him. Uh, Struve, the submission specialist. Uh, yeah. Rothwell, the knockout artist. Yes, that, that's what really worries me in this fight. I don't know if um, Stephen Struve is gonna be able to withhold Rothwell's punches, and I don't know that he's gonna be able to make it through this fight. Yeah, twenty-seven of his thirty-six wins are via uh, via KO. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's looking for the one shot, like knock your fucking mm-hmm. block off shot. Uh, so I mean, that's the the philosophical difference between these two. Uh, and then, like, if you want to get into the body type. Uh, Struve, seven foot. Rothwell, not small either at six four. Uh, but the the reach advantage really comes into play with uh, Struve having an eighty four and a half to Rothwell seventy eight and a half, and giving up five inches on on the leg reach as well. Is uh, Rothwell? Uh, both fighters tend to uh, want to end the end the fight. Don't really want to go to some, uh, decision. Uh, the average fight times. Seven or eight minutes and ten and a half minutes, so it's usually somewhere in the second, uh, late second, early third round, yeah, uh, is where they look to finish things. So, I mean, that's probably where we're going to see this fight end, yeah. That's what I was, um, that's really what I was going to predict, and that's what I'm kind of expecting to see throughout this matchup. Um, I think I don't think Struve is going to be able to withstand the dirty boxing that Rothwell is going to bring to the table. Even with, um, you know, Stefan Struve in the clinch and throwing those knees, I feel like Rothwell, it's just going to give Rothwell an opportunity to step in on that reach advantage and get some dirty boxing in, and I think he's going to clip him and knock him out. I really do. I mean, being as tall as what he is, it's just... I mean, I I, I like Rothwell in this fight. I like him, I like him by knockout. Um, regardless of when it happens, I'm not sure when it will happen in this fight. They're old veterans. It's hard to tell how much of a chin Struve has these days. 
Uh, and but, how much they got left in the tank. Exactly. If it's even going to work in the deep waters. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah. um, I'm going to go with Rothwell uh, via knockout. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Rothwell, Rothwell as well. Uh, that's a tongue twister. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ben Rothwell taking this. Uh, he One thing I did want to mention, he's lost his last three fights. However, uh, if you look at the competition that he was facing, uh, he's not that uh, too far out of his prime. His last three losses coming to uh, the legendary Andre Arlovsky, uh, Blagoy Ivanov, who we've talked about on, yeah. on here before uh, when he fought Greg Hardy, mm-hmm. I believe it was. Uh, and then... Uh, Dos Santos, Junior Dos Santos, yeah. like that's that's not a name that that you can sneeze at yeah. in the heavyweight division. That, that is, those are good names. Like too. those are respectable losses and for sure. And um, going on with that, Struve Struve also he uh, he's actually coming off of a victory over, um, I believe it was, uh, no, he lost to Alexander Vulcan. Vulcan. Vulcan, and then. Um, had lost two more in 2018, so he was on a three-loss uh, streak, and then he's he came into 2019, won a fight earlier this year, and then is where he's at now. So he may have a little momentum coming, you know, into this fight. Obviously, coming off a win after a few deficits, but um, again, I still I just see Rothwell being able to control this fight and handle it. All right, so uh, we have an agreement. Uh, yeah. Ben Rothwell takes this one. So uh, switching weight classes, switching gears a little bit, we are now going to be looking at the strawweight division, the women's strawweight division, in Marina Rodriguez versus Cynthia Cavillo. Uh, and uh, both of these fighters are, this is a top 10 uh, contention matchup. Uh, Marina, number 9, Cynthia, number 10 in the strawweight division. Uh you want to you want to take Yeah, I'll go ahead and start talking about um Marina Rodriguez. So, she is a Brazilian fighter. Um so there's obviously a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um you know what I mean, Muay Thai coming at the same time. Uh your typical kickboxing style Brazil fighter. Uh, she loves to win by knockout. Um, if she doesn't win by knockout, she goes to decision. She will not submit you, um, which is actually kind of interesting. It's unique, uh, I would say. It is unique. Being from Brazil, having that um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu background and not being a submission artist. Like uh, the pedigree. You, that's the mecca of jiu-jitsu. Exactly. You don't, you don't see that happening a lot, uh, but... I mean, she's she's obviously good with her legs. She likes to throw leg kicks, work the body a lot, and then I mean, she has that power where she can clip you, get the get the other uh, female wobbly, and um, start pounding them on the ground and get her TKO victories. That's really how she uh, likes to win. Um, she's averaging a point three three knockdown average uh, per fifteen minutes, which. Um, it's fairly good. She, I mean, she has heavy hands. She's a good striker, and that's what I expect to see coming out of this fight uh, with Rodriguez. Yeah, then, like, uh, just to put that in perspective, that's basically a knockdown a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three-round fights, uh, .33 repeating yeah. uh, average. It's like she's, she's knocking some, like, there is, in every fight that you see with her, there's a moment where you're going to stand to your feet because she could end it, yeah. uh, which is really cool to see. Yeah, she's excited. Uh, on the other hand, we have uh, the young Cynthia Cavillo. Uh, she is a uh, eight and one fighter. Uh, she, <clears throat> on the other hand, is a submission specialist. Uh, she has the uh, she has three submissions uh, under her belt of her eight victories, and uh, kind of has some controversy surrounding her name. She's trying to like get her. Uh, get her footing back in into the UFC. She uh is recently coming off of a suspension for failing her failing a drug test in her last fight. Yeah. Uh for marijuana meta, uh metabolites. Uh so she's looking to to right her ship. Uh the last fight that she fought, she lost, so uh looking to move back up in the rankings at uh she's sitting at number 10. She's looking to move up with a uh like uh, pedigreed fighter 
in uh, Marina Rodriguez. Right, they're about the same uh, same level in their career fighters uh, right now. I say fairly um, early. Both fairly young, different fighting styles. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, Marina Rodriguez is going to have to um, have good clinch and grappling defense, obviously. Uh, so she doesn't get put into a submission because I think that's where Cynthia is going to want to take this fight. Um, I think it's just going to... All depend on who can control the fight. Um, if Marina can stop the takedowns and stop the grappling, I think that she has a good chance of winning. But um, I think if Cynthia is able to get on her and stick on her, I think that there is a very high chance that um, she wins. And I mean... Rodriguez's takedown defense is at 84%. So this this may be fight of the night type of fight just because they're two fighters that are, I mean, really very similar in their careers. Two different styles, but they counter each other very well. And that's what I like about this fight. Um, uh, prediction time. Unless you have anything else to say. Uh, again, no, I think you uh, you hit everything. The, the takedown defense of uh, Marina Rodriguez is going to bode well because Cynthia is going to want the fight to take place on the ground. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that just makes for another element of mixed martial arts that you don't get from traditional boxing, per yeah, se. Absolutely. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what their game plans are, where their heads are at when, when the fight takes place on Saturday. Yeah, um... <sighs> Prediction, prediction, prediction. I think I'm going to go with Marina Rodriguez. And the reason I say I'm going to go with her is because of her background. She has a Muay Thai Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background, which is extremely important in grappling. And with an 84% takedown defense, I think she's going to be able to keep this fight on the feet. And I don't think Cynthia is going to be able to outstrike her. Um, I, she may, because of all the takedown attempts and the attempted grappling uh, for even like the clinch and whatnot, I think that's going to take over the fight so much that I don't think it's going to have the opportunity to be like them in there swinging, you know what I mean, guns mm-hmm. blazing, and a knockout happens. I think I think Marina's going to win this uh, via decision because I think she's going to come into the fight focused on not allowing her to get taken down or in any kind of grappling situation. And then she's just going to win up top handedly, uh, maybe clipping her, but then also, I mean, taking it to decision and just winning the stand-up game. So... All That's right. where I see it. Uh, so <clears throat> where I see it is I, one, I'm taking it into account like a little bit of emotion. Like I'd, I'd like to see an, undergr- an underdog story. Yep. And uh, with uh, Cavill coming back uh, after her suspension, I I just want to see her come back on top and uh, and win her next fight, obviously. Uh, and then a little bit, I, I just don't like you. When it comes to uh, women's fights, and why? we we just have differing opinions and views. <laughs> Go Van Zant. That's why. No. <laughs> That's the why. Future, bro. Chill. <laughs> so, Cavillo is is winning this fight simply because I don't like you and your predictions, <laughs> and I'm going I'm going the opposite way. Uh, I think that she is going to be able to take it to the ground and impose her will. Uh, I uh. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think she's she's gonna be able to get it done. Uh, her camp and her mindset, where she's where she's been, where she's going. Uh, valleys teach you lessons that mountaintops never will. You learn more in in failure than you do in success. And coming back from a six month suspension, you're not even allowed to to be around your like UFC family. Then like I I just think she's gonna be a little bit hungry. Kavila takes it. Yeah, that's very uh, that's a very fair <laughs> point. Um. But really, I think I think this fight is a toss-up. I, I really don't know who wins, and I didn't know if I was even going to make a prediction. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I'm, just, because, I'm just going opposite you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this honestly has fight of the night implications in it. Um, I think this could be a really, really gruesome, bloody battle from these two women. It so, does. I like this as a co-main. I do. I, uh, I like it, too. I would, I would like it as a, as a main event, for real, for a fight 
for a fight night, not a yeah, pay per view. You know what I mean? But, but, but the main event is actually a, a good one. So uh, if we want to get into that, uh, since we're both taking opposing sides on this one, so agreement, disagreement. We'll see how this one uh, lands us. But our main event between Yara Renzo, Biggie Boy, Rosenstreich versus Alistair, the Demolition Man, Overeem. Alistair Overeem. This dude, I, I love this guy. He has got incredible hands. He has that one-punch knockout power. Obviously, being a heavyweight, he comes in at 6'4 with an 80-inch uh, reach and a 45-and-a-half-inch leg reach. Um, he loves... I mean, he's a very versatile fighter. He he, 51% of the time, it's a knockout or 2KO. His victories have been uh, 38% of his victories coming by submission and then 11% coming by decision. So he doesn't like to take the fight... Uh, Deep yeah, he doesn't like to take the fight deep whatsoever. Um, he He's fighting someone that really statistically looks very, very similar to him. Um, but over him, he, I mean, he's got a really accredited uh, UFC career. I mean, he's fought, what, 60 fights now, 44 and 17. What is that? Uh, quick math, no, 59? 51, 61. 61? 61? Yeah, so, I mean, the dude has been, he's been fighting forever. Uh, he's a great acclaimed fighter in the UFC. He's coming out of the United Kingdom. Yeah, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Um, yeah, That's absolutely. Awesome. He'll definitely be a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's just a matter of where he is in his ability right now against um, a very young, talented knockout artist that we... Uh, are gonna about to hear about so yeah so uh Jan Rinso, uh Rosenstreak I've been working on that uh, pronunciation all day <clears throat> but uh Rosenstreak is a fairly new fighter in the UFC this will be his fourth fight just got his second contract with uh Dana and the UFC uh so I'm really excited to see him but but uh before I get into his professional career I have to go way back into his uh amateur career in, in combat sports and combat fighting, uh, where he fought a total of 85 fights, winning 76 of those and 64 of them coming by KO. This man is a knockout machine. He will knock you out on the ground, in the clinch, standing up, striking, air distance. He'll hit you with a flying knee. He doesn't care. Anywhere in the cage, he wants to kill you. This man is insane. Uh, so with that being said, uh, he holds a perfect 9-0 professional MMA uh, record. Uh, with eight of those coming by way of knockout, he's only going to decision one time in his professional career. Uh, he holds a perfect 3-0 and uh, fight uh, record in the UFC with a knockout victory over uh, previously mentioned uh, future Hall of Famer, Legendary fighter Andre Arlovsky, uh knocking him out in, in the second round. And if you guys know anything about him uh, in, his, in his career, that's a tough feat to do. Uh, I remember watching uh, uh, Arlovsky fight. Uh, have you ever seen Bully Beatdown? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a like, TV show. Like, it came on like MTV2 or something like that. <laughs> and uh, this dude, like, he would... Uh, like. You would, it was basically like Pitmar Ride. Like, you would send in, like, a video. It was like, this dude bullies me. Like, he thinks that, like, he's, like, all this, that, and that. He thinks he's, like, a fighter and, like, he's a badass. And then, like, this dude goes out and he finds, like, professional fighters to huh. whoop this bully's ass for three rounds. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. That's, that's straight fucking comedy, <laughs> It's bro. fucking hilarious. It's actually a really good show. I'll, uh, I'll show you sometime. But, I, bet, uh, I bet it's well-deserving, too. Oh, yeah, it is. And, like, the, the bullies, like, at the end of it, like, most of the time are, like, gotten enough of getting their shit kicked in and like apologize and everything uh-huh. <laughs> uh sometimes their bullies are just fucking assholes <laughs> yeah can't let it go but uh <clears throat> anyway uh on a tangent uh <laughs> uh back to back to the fight uh yeah Rosenstreet, uh phenomenal striker uh possesses a little bit of a ground game from what i've seen uh but ultimately his his game is is to knock you out and and to not see the judges he doesn't care what the judges have to uh, have to say mm-hmm. about how he fights. 
uh, and the technical aspect that goes into scoring scoring fights. He 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 just wants to win. He wants to knock you out. Yeah. Um. I guess is that is that it for? Uh yeah, pretty much. He wants to knock you out. He'll yeah. do it. So uh, I guess we're gonna go into our predictions now. Um, I think Alistar Overheim is one of the goats. Uh, not necessarily a goat, but he's a very very accredited fighter in the UFC. He's very old. He's on the down of his career. I see him attempting to take this fight into a grappling match because I don't think he wants to throw hands with this yet nice young man on the other side of the octagon. And I think that's where he holds the advantage, too. Yeah. Um, so, if he can get him on... No, I'm not even going to say that. If he can get him on the ground, old boy's getting up and he's knocking him out. I don't think that this is... Uh, I think I think Overheem's going to get knocked out, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rosenstreak. Yeah, so Rosenstreak, um, I think he takes the victory via knockout. Uh, I don't necessarily know when, just because Overheem is so experienced in the octagon. And, I mean, with this being uh, the main event, it's going to go into five rounds. Mm-hmm. So that may play a factor into uh, the young blood trying to come in and take over. If he can push it into these later rounds, you never know. But, um but, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't see that happening. I see him coming out, throwing hands, and getting the knockout victory over the veteran. Yeah, uh, you brought up a good point that I, I, I didn't think about. Like, this is the main event, so it is going to go mm-hmm. five uh, rounds. Uh, so the, the veteran aspect of it might help Overeem out. Like, yes, the stamina, the cardio, uh, and, like, you can't do the things that you used to do, uh, especially with all the injuries that you right. get throughout your career and, and so on and so forth. But if he can fight this fight smart in the first and second round and, like, kind of test Rosenstreich into, into the third, kind of flip the, uh, flip the tide there and then, like, uh, dominate the championship rounds, I think the, 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 uh, the experience of it is the word I was looking for. Yeah. I think the experience uh, plays a big factor into it. And, and if he can get to the championship rounds, I think he has he has a shot to win it by decision. Yeah. Because uh, Rosenstreet might get gassed. We've never seen him go that go that late. Exactly. I mean, we're just going to see how this fighter takes on uh, one of the veterans and one of the best to ever do it. So. With that said, though, I'm I'm going to go with the with the young assassin, uh, Yara Henso uh, Rosenstreet. I think he's going to win this one. Yep, and uh, we're in agreement again with this one. Yeah, see, so. man, I think it's just the, the women's division. It may be just the women's division. I think I just might be smarter than you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll see when this Macy Barber-Van uh, Zandt fight eventually happens. Yeah, it's inevitable at this point. Yep, man, for sure. <laughs> so. All right, well, uh, thanks for listening, and tune in next week as we give you our recaps from the UFC on ESPN 7. Uh, That will include all of our main events that we talked about, or the uh, main cards that we talked about this week and in the last uh, two podcasts. So uh, tune in for that. It's going to be a a big one, really big breakdown. Uh, It's the UFC's return after about four weeks, three weeks off. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, Don't go anywhere. If you love what we are doing... Please check out our other Inside the White Lines podcasts. We have Fan Talk Friday, where we break down our favorite NFL football teams. We have The Houses Over Reactions. Uh-huh. He gives you all of his hot takes on uh, on anything that we have. We have uh, Batter the Bookie, uh, keeping you up to date on your sports betting needs. Bet that money. I'm up 100 this week. And much, much more. Fantasy football... We could go all day. The Inside the White Lines podcast. Check us out. Thanks for listening. This is Caged, and I am the lieutenant. And I am the house. And we're out.